0: I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 27th of September, 2020. Big agendas, big global agendas, and we know that the biggest, um, internationalists for globalization, for owning the world, by the way, were based in England, in London. The big organizations that gave you and brought the, 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 uh, the British Empire into, into being. Private clubs, basically massive organizations, but very private. And that's the group, of course, that quickly talked about for the British branch, the headquarters, and the, the, the secondary branch that came off for America, CFR. And that's how the world's run. It hasn't been, it has never changed. They, they, these big foundations and organizations don't just give up and say, well, we've completed our task. Uh, that's uh, over, it over. They continue down through generations, eh? They're generations. Any competition, this is something to look at too, I've noticed. Any competition to the big foundations. Now the, fo- the foundations, as I say, uh, just like communism with all its foundations, eh? the, the, Back you Under different names of communism, Marxism, Trotskyism, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Society for blah blah blah, all these different names that they have for the same huge umbrella organization, are so well funded uh, that they have full-time employees, hundreds, sometimes thousands in some of them at the top, like a massive bureaucracy, who hire and and get trained and work their lives and retire with pensions and by that time there's others taking over just like any big big business But unlike business, some businesses can go under, these big foundations don't, you see. They've got unlimited investments at the same time. Even though they're tax-free foundations, unlimited, they get taxed on nothing, you see. They can't lose. But they can set up their goals or their manifestos and have all the different things they want to achieve and work for a century or two to achieve it all and add to it. As the, as the accomplished parts of the task And have new parts they want to accomplish or conquer too So that's how it's done You have no say This is what runs the world no, not, not your governments That's what runs the world Private foundations They have thousands, thousands Of non-governmental organizations under them And armies of them From the street fighters To color revolutions To protest groups to many organizations of civil rights groups that, that, that are fighting for things you'd have even thought of yeah. and probably never will. But there's, there's really armies to, to destabilize and alter and destroy and rebuild by design, not by happenstance and evolution, but by design, by those in control. That's the important part of it. The United Nations likes to refer to them, and so does the, the CFR concerned comes foreign relations as, as state actors and non-state actors. And you also have civic actors, you see. And so, and NGOs. And the NGO groups, this is, I say, there are thousands of them. Fully trained professionals, most of the, the, the leaders are for sure. With incredible financing going towards them. All shaping opinions, cultural changes across the board in every country on the planet. And getting paid to do it and trained to do it and how to do it and so on. But always pretending they're just a, a local group, you know, just for for blah blah blah. <laughs> Until you're in a straightjacket imprisonment system of organisations. They keep giving themselves more authority like grafting themselves as a, a little charitable volunteer group onto your local councils until you can't put a garden shed in with a sustainability and ecological survey and painful. And how are you going to drive, not drive? Should you drive or should you just get a bicycle if you're 90 years old, etc.? And that's how it's done. This is what runs the world. Actors, state actors, non-state actors And the non-governmental organization industry complex. That's what it is. It's a massive industry, isn't it? And because you don't vote them in, they can do what they want. And the governments pretend that they're... We'll we'll have to listen to them, you know. Do Do you? Why do you have to listen to them when you won't listen to some spontaneous group that goes with a petition about unlocking us all from COVID? How come you don't get any Any credence given to you. But any NGO with the proper titles of who backs them financially has got immediate access to governments. You're living in a farce of authoritarianism. An absolute farce. And you don't get a single leader coming out with a uniform so you can hate them. Like the Goldstein of 1984 with your two minutes of hate every day, you know, you're giving other ones to hate, other groups to hate, and, and fake ones as well, to hate. They've fomented so much hate absolutely in the States right now. It's astonishing to watch it happening. The usual groups are coming out and saying, oh, it's really white groups or, or, or the biggest problem in America. They were saying that back in the 90s. Same groups. As America's burning. But they won't say that about the white folk leading the Black Lives Matter, who are they really? Well, we know who they are, and they are part of the NGO industry groups the complex, the NGO industry complex. Incredibly well-financed and trained at the top. But they always blame a different target, of that. because it's a target that might, that might if they ever did stand up, they're most afraid of. So keep them whimpering and, scared and, 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 silent and, and get, get them guilt ridden with stuff they haven't done. And you've neutralized them all psychological warfare tactics and using threat and fear at the same time. Nothing happens by itself. The, Albert Pike said it when he was, don't forget, he, again, he was part of not just Freemasonry, but part of the World Revolutionary Movement. If not the actual main one By the time. And Train Mazzini. And, and he went, he went out to take over from, from Pike. But the, the thing is, the, the, Pike said it so well, he said, how, how does something grow? Like, like something in a field, a tree. Can you just throw the seed there and it'll grow? Well, you might with a bit of, an awful lot of luck. But really, if you want to make something happen, you plan to happen. You prepare the ground. And you get the weeds out. And you churn the soil to get the air into it, you see, that's what helps and so on. It helps the worms and insects and all the bacteria to flourish that is going to be necessary for the health and survival of that tree. So you do all that kind of stuff in advance. You might even add certain things to, to, the, to the soil to make it better, you see. Like compost, things like that. And then you, then you, you, the right, you put the, the the seed down at the right depth. You see, about the better depth for survival. And Then you cover it, and then you, and then you, you wait, and then you take care of the the seedling coming up. It's all preparation. And he said, we never, ever, and he's something that's very relevant for today. Start a premature revolution, because a revolution, you see, it's just like all the preparation goes in before you put the seed in the ground to plant for the tree to grow that's what revolution a truly well planned revolution you prepare the ground well what's the ground? it's the general society the ground is a target group in revolution target group those who may oppose you well how would you stop them from opposing you? take your time make sure that you run the school system but you've taken it all over long ago, which is true in America and elsewhere. That's what UNICEF you was part of too, mind you, part of its purpose. And the main worry you're gonna have are the males in the populations. So you introduce a different schooling system where you, where you, where you have group consensus in classrooms knowing that most youngsters want to be accepted by the peer group. They don't want to be shunned. But you can bring in a system whereby if they don't agree with the final um, uh, diagnosis, say I call it diagnosing a symptom of, of, of whatever happens to be the topic is, you diagnose where they're going, they want you to take you to the conclusion of all. It's like a diagnosis in a sense. And you won't go where the teacher with the toolkit techniques of psychology is taught to try to bring you all to. If one stands out and says, no, I don't agree with that, you know, I wouldn't do that in this circumstance. Well, then you get shunned. Oh, that's terrible. You mean you'd, 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 you'd you would you would you you would not want to do that. And so this certain group over that country might feel bad or they might suffer because people like you made it so you wouldn't, you see how you get shamed, shame, shame. Yeah. Consequences and shame, things that have not even happened. And also, so, so the guys, there's generally guys with leadership qualities and abilities uh, that will, will speak out, they think things through you know, a bit more clearly. we wait a minute here, you know. If we all do this, we'll all end up being wimps, and that's exactly what the whole thing is about. Because they bring in afterwards zero tolerance. If you get struck at school, don't fight back. It's a crime to fight back. And you wait years of this indoctrination, and maybe ten to twenty years later, you start a real revolution inside the country. And most folk, that you call decent folk, right, the ones their indoctrination has worked on them, won't, won't, won't stop a, a, a new group being riled up, and raised, huh? raised differently, to hate. The group that's now adults. <laughs> that's, you understand, it's really nice tactics for for those into warfare games, etc. Obviously, but um, it works awfully well, and it's not genius really. It's been done before, done through time, but yeah, you, you raise up the group once you've you've, you've neutered a previous generation, then and uh, whoever children grew up for in ten, fifteen, twenty years. Uh, You make sure that you've radicalized them to hate. Oh, they've destroyed the planet. They're terrible. And all different kind of things are added into it. Gender differences, things like that. And you stir the pot up and you radicalize them through intensive indoctrination. The same schools that 20 years ago were were teaching a generation, uh, or, or 25 years a generation not to fight back. And to be nice and agreeable and have group consensus. Now you've got this group, a different group who definitely still have the consensus, but it's a radicalised consensus to hate anybody who's not part of the authorised revolution. It's all been done in advance, you and you paid for all through your tax money. Of course you did. This is, I'm not only the people at the top all know this because they're part of it all. And that's how it's done. And that's why you're watching the, the, these farces in the cities of, of mobs being led, guided, uh, financed, incredibly well financed at the top. And the people leading these, these revolutionary movements, are they'll come out as millionaires, some of them, the leaders, some of the leaders on the streets I'm talking about. The ones who are really well trained, and you see them bust from, from, from town to town, city to city, and state to state, a lot of them, right? They're well trained for what they're doing. They're they get to they get the danger pay of of combat troops, but they'll get more than that too. For because they're if they're good spokespeople, they'll know how to keep their group in line and to and to radicalise them further and to keep keep quiet what their real functions and their real goals and objectives are. You must they're really good mercenaries. These characters and with unlimited financing, like all. All these operations, a lot, most of the money goes into their pockets and it's not even <laughs> accounted for. So I'm, I really mean it. Some of them uh, know darn well, they'll come out as millionaires. Some of them did. They worked over in the Middle East as mercenaries for their own governments. So anyway, we're, we're living through amazing times and amazing systems and it works because the, the ground was, was prepared and general society was taught to feel bad about things which had nothing to do with. Uh, you should, I mean, you think about it too. Uh, don't, I won't even fall into the, the nonsense. I, I understand it too well. I, I could give talks on it, no problem at all. About the critical theory, etc., and had Marxists. That's all part of destabilizing th- through guilt and complexes, creating a new system of class. Those those who who have who have the benefits of being the most victimized are the higher classes. And this is their criteria now. And, uh, if you, if you're one of the perpetrators, maybe 500 years ago, or maybe, maybe, maybe with any, with a possibility of an ancestor being involved somewhere, or even in a genetic line somewhere, then it's, um, you're, you're, you're maybe in the middle, and, and if you, are, uh, are one of the designated enemy, then you're in the, you're in the lower classes. Absolutely. It's all your fault. Not, that's, all the world's your fault. <laughs> And it's incredible how they've worked on people like that, eh? Nothing to do with you. Any more than, than, than what the Romans did in ancient times has anything to do with you either. You're only responsible for yourselves now. Not what anybody did in the past. But see, it, it, this is warfare strategy. This is what Marxism is. This is warfare strategy used by the richest folk on the planet who run the whole system and they're on all sides at the top. So you can go through your whole life just shaking your head on data. Oh my goodness. You know what they're doing now? Do you believe what Trump said today? Do you really, do you believe what Hillary's advocating if Trump doesn't leave off? No, that, 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 you get this your entire life, this, this stuff. It's a big play, a big stage, like Shakespeare said it there. You know, the whole world's a stage and we are but the players. There's more truth to that than you'd imagine. Absolutely. No doubt I talk at all about it. As I say, when folk are left to try and vote between the lesser of two evils, you're not given choice at all. That really, and then when you vote the one end the lesser of the two evils, you wonder well, what country is he serving? What is he serving? Yeah. You have to wonder at times. Eh? He's good at putting proposals across, but all the proposals, you know, go nowhere. So it good for publicity. Like, like it uh, was going to be put down as it would Antifa as a terrorist group. I thought they already were a terrorist group. Any group that <laughs> advocates a complete overthrow of your governmental system and your constitution is automatically a terrorist group. What we'll, we'll part of that don't you understand? <laughs> again, I, I, as I've mentioned it before, even recently. Again, I mentioned. How come Karl Marx was allowed to to live in London? He was financed and put up there. He was even given uh, grants occasionally from, from different people in the bureaucracies and in, uh, in the elite families in Britain. What well, he was doing is his whole thing on the manifesto. And he don't forget too, he was no person that drafted that darn thing up. But he's the front man again for that particular project. His name wasn't even on the original books, you know, the manifesto. It's quite something, isn't it? Everything's really something else. again, when you start talking or thinking, things come to you. know, I was thinking about the Karl Marx and how he did. He did telegraph Abraham Lincoln. The records are in the U.S. Congressional records. They have that he congratulated Lincoln for 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 you know sticking it out with the war and keeping America unified. Centralization of authority, prime plank of the manifesto. But also, I think it was in his second or third version, uh, Karl Marx, he wanted to, to bring in Darwin into his book and mention Darwin and and put his name in print in the book as a tribute to Darwin. So that's what, what he said. But in reality, it was... Uh, I'm talking about Charles Darwin. But he, he, In reality, it was to try and give legitimacy what was to become, or they hoped, a, a science, a social science. You see, through, through this idea of what later become, became known as communism, a, a, a kind of social science, a socio- a sociological science, if you like. And uh, and the more names he put in print, that backed his book, that he a kind word to his book, he put it in print. As many even modern books do the same thing. Uh, oh, it's a wonderful book by so and so says so and so of the they'll name a paper or whatever happens to be your institution. Well, that's what he wanted, and Darwin did agree with it. And they pulled out eventually, thinking that it might it might um tarnish his reputation to be in any way associated. With the idea of revolution But the whole idea of eugenics Was part of the revolutionary movement For those who haven't figured it out The revolutionary movement Uses all sides It creates sides It will use them all in unison at times And other times it will seem to have them Fighting each other to get the changes through Again the dialectic process And you find that Um Darwin's ideas, which were plagiarized, a lot of them, from Wallace, you know, who did that actual real legwork, living in jungles and things, and studying and sending it back to, to Darwin, to, to their all, to, actually to Darwin and their all society. Uh, but their all society had agreed to, to promote Darwin up there, because Darwin had the right genes. I really mean that. You know? Eugenics was on the go before Darwin came along, and his family were completely intermarried through generations just with just with the Wedgwood family. That was it. Fathers, grandfathers and Darwin himself. They were selectively picking um appropriate inbreeding, they thought, you know. As as you know, so you, you can go you can really run with this stuff. Is it this is all verifiable, there's nothing fake about it. But, yeah, legitimacy was, was to be given, yeah, but the, the nobility grabbed it and said, well, we always said that, that the peasant class were different, you know. And, uh, they had all kinds of theories before the 20th century. It was bad blood and it was this and that was other. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but this gave a, a scientific, but yes, because the genes pass on the same stupidity to the inferior classes, you see. And they had it on the go since the days of Thomas Malthus, the same ideas of too many of the wrong people breeding but with over you know the, the planet would basically just uh, collapse with the weight of all I so suppose that was the ideas that was put across there and uh, the, again with charts and graphs just like the Covid thing Malthus trying to prove there's just too many folk and what would happen in 100 years time 200 years time and that kind of stuff and so on it never ends it's the same agenda with different covers you see those in control of this world and control over people are always petrified of the general public. They always have been. Because the, the, the whole basis for, for legitimacy of ruling over you is with a, a kind of consent of, the, by, of by the general public to do so. Fraudulent there might be and fake and, and today definitely, but in the old days you had to, well, has have to, have to, you have to need a, t- a titular head of some, some kind to to give legitimacy and credence to law, etc. And that's how the monarchy uh, got a foothold a long time ago. Today it's massive think tanks that work on behalf of governments and institutions like to call themselves institutions. They don't vote for once again. And government that really doesn't know much as I say from the politicians they don't know much they're they're sharp characters themselves men and women with big ambitions for themselves and they all know you'll become awfully rich but a career serving the public but you know not from your from your pension obviously but but this magic money, some comes to, you get the right investments. And the, and the, and the state, I remember the Congress in America, a few years ago, gave themselves the rights to use insider information for their own personal investments. That used to be illegal before. <laughs> in other words, you make policies, no one was, who's going to benefit, and you can make investments in this corporate. It's so corrupt, openly corrupt. Although it's not corrupt anymore because it's, it's legal for them. <laughs> but we're living through such a, a, an amazing display of what I call chronology. And you're conned and conned and conned. And you must participate in the con. That's why you vote. You vote out of desperation, really. And to, to get the one that you voted in the last time out, because you're so disgusted with them, that's why you vote the new bunch in. Only you find out nothing much changes, you know The same agendas continue The same agreements are counter-assigned and and strengthened Like the, it used to be called the NAFTA deal North American Free Trade Agreement Now it's the US, Canada, America um, agreement USMCA, you call it now Same agreement, just a a fancy title change Because it was just too easy to say NAFTA So many in the public understood it by then, and so he just changed the name of it. Oh, that's gone. NAFTA's gone, but it's the same agreement, Of course, it is. It's fixing trade, and you as a small company have got a hard, you're going to have a hard time exporting anything without permission by the by the by the, the boards that are set up, these star chambers through the WTO as well, World Trade Organization. Uh, because you're not authorised. You might have paid all the licences, but they won't give you one for export, perhaps, you see. If you're any cut-in, or, or perhaps even remotely, compete with even a big corporation. Which is silly. You start with little, you doing a big corporation. And so you won't get the business. It's like postage in Canada. Maybe the States is the same. I'm sure British Commonwealth countries are all the same with the postage. You can... Uh, if you're posting a few books every every week, maybe about even two or three, maybe even a month, <laughs> you won't get the deals that the corporations can get for, for either flyers or these little newspapers they'll print up. Um, before page, you know, free flyers and things. You won't get the deals, the incredible, incredible deals that are given per copy. If they do so many hundreds per week. And you, well you can't even get two or three a week, but you aren't gonna get that kinda of, so you'll you'll pay maybe ten times more for the same post for the postage to the same places. There's nothing in there's nothing in the system is there for the ordinary person. Really. Nothing at all. Except the propaganda that's leaded. A lot of propaganda goes into creating you <laughs> and the mind that you have and your opinions that you have. But that's how it really is, and we we don't like to look at it and see it that way. But I remember giving talks in the nineties. I says the system, especially the financial system, is probably this whole system relies at the top of it all. The head of of this big serpent is the financial system. Well, I'll say that on the earthly plane, put that way, but it's the financial system. Everything underneath it runs off the, the trickle down theory of of loot getting dished out to, to different organizations and politicians, and so all the way down, you see. And that's how it really works. It's loot. And that's why Rothschild quite openly said it, and there's own books and so on about Rothschild and biographies and, and the different Rothschilds. And and he said it. He said that to put me in charge of a nation's money, a currency, and I don't care, he says, who you put in as government. Yeah. Prime Minister, because obviously you know you'll see it every in throughout your life and Britain was more open with the Chancellor of the H Checker or the Prime Minister would go to see the big lenders about borrowing money and with every loan comes conditions and these conditions aren't all financial they're, they're, they'll be null and void unless you change policies here that's where that you look at your government giving money out to all these Third World countries—they can never pay it back. But don't worry, you, the taxpayer, are put down by your nations as a guarantors if they fail to pay it back, or write it off. See, that's how it works. But along with them, these ones like the IMF or the World Bank issues across the world, comes conditions about gender equality, which ends up being uh, really an attack on marriage, the destruction. Don't forget the planks of the Communist Manifesto. The richest folk on the planet financed it all, still do, richest people. And the big club at the top, big club, as, as George Carlin said, and you're not a member, George Carlin. So anyway, that's how it really works. It's all money and finances and conditions to every law. Lo- I was shocked. It was, it was something that Hillary Clinton, when she was in the State Department, said to some countries that, that from now on, we won't be giving any money out to any country. And she laid out a list of stipulations and Africans were shocked. Some African countries, you know, this is, their the, the women will end up like, like prostitutes if they go along with this, that some of the leaders in the countries said they couldn't believe it. It was a right to uh, a lot. Some of these countries have natural, their natural cultural taboos on decency because they don't have the welfare systems to take your runaway children, and so marriage is promoted. Isn't this amazing? This is parts of Africa we're talking about. They used to lambast Africa as being backwards. We're we're we're, we're the backward countries now because a war has been waged upon you for a long time, and you don't even know it. Everything you went along with was for the greater good, right and progress. Look around you. But yeah, Clinton had all these different regulations laid out for the for the loan. I was just astonished. But that's how it's all done, you see. And that's how it's done with your nations as well. Bailouts and so on. All, but here's the caveats, and you have to do this, that, and that, yeah, that, that, that. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. When Japan came to America to get loans before World War One, and met Baruch and different characters there, the loans stipulated, and this was found after World War II uh, by the Marines when they went into Japan, to Japan properly, Tokyo. And they found the old agreements that that initially, were the, the, the American bankers will say, agreed to France uh, the, the improvement and, and the modernization of Japan's navy and military. And had the conditions laid out that, that Japan then must attack Russia. That <laughs> they all came out in history. This is not conspiracy theory here. Yeah? In fact, I think the agreement's on display. In a museum now in the States. And of a little bit of stink at the time it was hushed over, but the fact is that it did come out. It was, that was part of the, that was agreement. Uh, and there's a reason for that too, by Baruch and other ones that had financed it. You think about people can lend money out to get other nations to, to go and attack other nations. you are seen the same thing with the funding of riots on your streets today. How can you pretend you've got something called democracy when the richest folk on the planet can finance revolutions anywhere in the world rather quickly by sending around the world, which they've done, by the way, leaders of these particular terrorist organizations. Don't forget a terrorist organization uh, if they've overthrew a nation, which can happen. Because the tactics are classic. They're being used in America right now. Quite fascinating to watch it. Because they're classic. And the fact that, that they're, they're, they're well organized, well run. Um, the idea is to terrorize the average American citizenry. They'll do nothing. That's what was in Fight Club, the movie Fight Club, the comedy where they set a group up for revolution and, and they even ex- experiment on Joe Public. There, and passers-by would pass gardens and things or fences or gates and, and the folk in the gardens would just suddenly soak them with, with hoses and, or chase them or throw things at them. And the hardest thing they said in the comedy was to get folk to physically fight back. Because folk are decent, law-abiding, yada yada. What chance do you have against terrorists? So psychologically the effect of the TV massive pounding would give you the impression of the whole of America was burning. That's that's a perception management task, you see. And that's where the media's all on board with it. Still calling them peaceful protests as you see the, the buildings all burning down and cars on fire. And mobs chasing cars on the streets and smashing their windows, unlike it happened with that Prius in California the other day, too. Etc. I mean, it's just never ended. But this is all with a collusion with a big powerful organization that runs all media, obviously. The deep state isn't some something stuck in a back alley somewhere. It is your system. <laughs> that you—you've been oblivious to it, thinking it was all individually owned and private, etc., private business. No, no, these corporations are part of the whole system of revolution. You fund most of their enterprises with public-private partnerships for the greater good, to say. Yeah, so I gave talks I see, back in the nineties about the the system, how corrupt and broken it was and how they, they kept trying to keep it, and being kind of semi-successful. And I likened it to Tower of Babel. I says, there's so many band-aids on it, because it's swayed in the wind for so many, you know, thousands of years, <coughs> that it's broken, cracked, and, and it's, it's got all these band-aids on it from countless defaults and bank crashes, all planned, of course, to loot the general public over and over, and how you always get at least, at least twice a, year, a century, you know. At least two big, uh, you get two big um, crashes as they declare bankruptcy and loot you all. And then you all have to bail them out with loans your government takes from the same characters that cause them. Because they're giving you nothing back, really, except numbers on paper or on a computer. And then they're telling you that's legitimate, and your government agrees because they're all part of the con and they're all finance themselves. And then they they put you down to to pay back all the money that was lost, really stolen. Mine doesn't disappear like that. Stolen. Big crashes. So the see the big Tower of babel is towers above you all, and there's, there's countless. There was even many books came out after nine after after about nine eleven sure, but also after and, and all the wars and that you're still paying for today, um, but also with. The crash of 2008, all the books, and how the biggies all knew it was coming, how they had moved all their own cash into and, and secure places, etc., etc., and how they actually accelerated and helped all to have. And how the governments and the overseers of, of these big institutions that work for government, how they turned a blind diary to the bitter end about the banks were buying up by the thousands per day. Mortgages. They were flipping mortgages like the commodities. Until after the crash, they're still trying to figure out who eventually actually owns a lot of these properties. After corruption and collusion, nobody was jailed for it. You had ten cities of folk had all lost their homes. Generally the poor folk that, that fell for these, oh, no no money necessary, this is a government, back back these things up for you, yadda, yadda, yeah, Poor soul. I mean, horror stories came out of it, again, quickly forgotten again, they eh? or hushed or quietened down, eh. And they planned it from then on, you know. They said that 2008 was only the first wave of this massive collapse. Well, who said that? All the biggies of the council in foreign relations, you know, this quiet, quiet advisory government that you have. And uh, there comes as advisors to government. We advise them on what to do or else. And uh, and the second one was still like, well, here you are with the second one. And they've, made, they've compounded it with a COVID idea. as a good one, isn't it? When more folk dying two years before with flu. But the world wasn't shut down with that. That doesn't matter. This is a necessary thing for the big agenda, obviously. Obviously, since they're, going, they're, go, they're turning on the public with military precision and mili- military angst. Military angst is important. If you see, when the military has to go out and force an enemy to the death, and face them to the death, you'll see the guy's expressions. They call it resolute. You know? And... And, and with those who lead them, because they're all on board with it, and you gotta be resolute if you're facing an enemy, right? But you're seeing the same thing turned on the public right now with, with, with absolute glaring authoritarianism of resolution. They've all sworn to each other and the big organization that they all belong to. The real boss, not the public. To go through with this to the bitter end, to change the economy and the system and the culture and what's left of culture and, uh, the whole system, way of living from birth to death permanently using COVID some of these things I might touch on tonight but I don't want to overwhelm folk with just too many details of they can look it up themselves I can give you a lot of the links and so on but it's overwhelmingly evident what's going on and there's nothing there's nothing left to the imagination it's your own unwillingness to believe it that's what it is and they're following it to the, to the end, to the letter to the end, this whole idea of a complete lockdown across the world. If they can get away with it. And uh, using terror again and, and, and bogus tests. Yeah. The, the, these, piece are t- these, these tests are so bogus, they're a joke. And so many of the doctors have come out and say the same thing. Lab workers have come out and say the same thing. But facts don't matter. It's on a huge agenda. Because it was before they gave you the idea of COVID, maybe even gave you COVID, because <laughs> it did come out of a lab, supposedly. Didn't, it? didn't develop by itself, not with the four inserts that it's got on it. Then, obviously, that uh, the darn thing was all planned to begin with before it, was, it got loose. Even the basis for the vaccine, this new type of vaccine, the basis for it, was there like, like a model, base model, that they could adapt and add on to according to particular types of viruses, coronaviruses. All set up and ready to go. has been for a few years. And then what happens to you? Well, they don't know yet, they claim. They don't know yet. They just hope, cross fingers, you know. Yeah, before it had folk paralysed now with with, with you know, test subjects and little inconveniences like that. You see, but they want to ram it through into your into your system regardless. So. Well, I, I go back to Como, Como that the 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 man, the one man disaster for New York City, who like other some other places, including like Scotland as well, did the same thing, mandated. That the infected should be put into old folks' homes too, which, which were uninfected, till they put in infected patients, and we saw what happened there. And they, they've got the numbers skyrocketing, of course. Both socialist, of course, yeah, ultra socialist, and they gave credence again as the numbers went up and up and up of of, of infected people and in deaths. But don't forget what the tests are using—the swab tests for the particles. They show particles of dead viruses. So you don't even need to have that, or have had the darn thing to have the multiple particles in your nostrils or your sinuses or in your throat. They're all over the place around you. And that's what it's picking up, you know. Dead particles. It's such an incredible scam. Remember, years ago, I'm reading articles. I um, oh, won't even go in there, it's just too in depth. Because in any of these areas, you can talk forever about it. But yeah, it's a scam and it's planned that way. And the the World Economic Forum has come out again. I'll put the article up. Once again, they've said the same thing as the Club of Rome said openly too and how they can achieve their whole agenda for sustainability by using COVID and who can open up businesses and who can't, if it's environmentally friendly or not, according to panels, secretive panels and star chambers, etc. Because there's no real legal system set up that you can go and protest against anything here there's nothing and your pretended democracies <laughs> now once again folks I remind you to cuttingthroughthematrix.com through list all the sites I have there and And take the links and and paste them somewhere securely, so you can get them because if the com site goes down again, which I may get attacked again if there's no doubt about it, or at least the ones the servers I'm using to host nice you know and then you can get the other sites hopefully and and uh again as you're there when you're there to remember you can buy the books and disks or just straight donations you can send to me by personal check. Or send cash, cash is fine. Or money gram. I'm not selling you ideas of who to vote for. Or, or I'm not selling you pure optimism either. I never came out initially to give you just optimism. The optimism is an understanding. It's its own optimism. Understanding the whys and wherefores will make you less fearful when you really understand why things are happening. You'll also see what's going to happen along the way and prepare perhaps for it. Mental preparedness stops a lot of anxiety. Never mind physical preparedness, but mental for sure. You don't fall for the next terror attack of psychological warfare put out by professionals, meaning your own governmental agencies, the ones that run your government, or the CIA, or MI6, or Mossad. And all the other organizations all collude together. And they do collude together. They always did. Some, some of the, the top, um, agents in Britain were meet in pubs in London. In MI5 and 6. Especially MI6, they'd meet their, their counterparts across the, across in different countries. You know, they'd meet them all. They'd meet, they meet the Russian spies and agents and, and uh, they'd meet in bars and favorite places across capitals across the world. They don't meet at different times and bump into each other. And they get pally, you know, and they exchange a little, a little bit of superficial information you pass back to the, well, you wouldn't guess what I found out about what Russia's up to now, what they're up to, you know. Things like that, a little trivia. But a lot of them got to know their counterparts because they're in the same business of collecting and supplying information to their masters. And eventually they could, they could see through they'd often say in their memoirs that they and if you met any of them personally, they had no no, no personal access to grind they weren't it 's not like the movie type things they did, they did everything for, for patriotic duty. they did a bit of excitement they got paid for they got a lot of good tra- travel they got investment tips that you wouldn't believe because so much of what they were trying to find out in different nations was investment money and, and, and where the future trends are going in big businesses for the masters back home. A lot of it was like that. But most of them didn't didn't do what they did for, for ideological purposes. Certain ones were sent in to to nations as operators who really were on the line, the tightrope, that, that would get killed if they were found out. But the, the higher-up type agents that went back and forth and, and they knew their counterparts in the, in the different countries, organ, agencies, they generally were okay. It was the, the real operatives that were sent in that got, got the chop off. And Kim Philby uh, used to literally work uh, in, uh, for MI6. He was recruited, like most of them were, by Rothschilds. The, the the Cambridge Five, you know, the Cambridge spies. Anyway, this is looking for the fifth man, although Blake came later. But as I say, that you find out that the Rothschild, you know, the Rothschilds, the Rothschilds, the banking family, put them up a lot as students, and recruited them. And because he gave the, the say that these are good chaps, you know there was no background checks in some of them that's how it was done. Even Blake, who came later, got the same kind of clearance. he was, he was never checked up checked out at all, even though know, he, he was from Poland you know, and communist and interesting background, but his, his, his uncle was he owned his uncle owned the Bank of Israel at that time <laughs> But he himself was communist, supposedly, because, as you know, by now, communism is a, a, a name, a front for a much bigger organization, I'd say. But anyway, um, yeah, agents would tell you that the system is vastly different than anything you'd imagine, vastly different. But Phil, by getting back to him before I get off it, he literally would, would get information of operatives being sent into different uh, Warsaw Pact countries, and they would land them in through parachute, different techniques, and so and get them into the countries, or smuggle them across borders. And they're all getting picked off. So he would actually meet some of them and be sitting in an opera, and then he'd go out the back door pretty well and signal his counterparts that they'd be arriving, and so on and so. And he was responsible for a lot of the folks' deaths. That's really how it was run. And yet you wonder who. They all came. They all came from the upper crust. These spikes, you know a lot of title families as well, who worked as spies and double agents. It was actually harder to get that quality of spy or double agent from the working classes, because the working classes were more patriotic, because the propaganda always worked better and then they really believed it was their country and decent folk own it and run it and manage it for us and... And of course a lot of it comes from the fact that the ordinary folk have a much tighter bond with each other I think, a more hum- human bond to begin with anyway So as I say, before I get on to the next hour Cutting through the com, send a few bucks my way and help me tick along Because I, as I say, I don't have an axe to grind And I've walked between the raindrops for so many years on different shows And then on my own for a while too but it's still walking between the raindrops because really you're not really authorized to play the big game here on behalf of some maybe big operations, you know, because most of the things out there are not quite what you think that they really are. Now, as I've said, the the Tower of Babel uh, really is at least rather precarious at times with its... Band-aids and it sways in the wind And it creaks and groans But don't think for a second That somehow the people at the top Who've run the world successfully Successfully for an awful long time Who knows how long actually Centuries, at the very least many centuries at least <laughs> uh, Stand back and just let it happen uh, they, they always plan ahead to, For the next system, the next system And now that it's all coming along Into digital currency They don't even have to print up Banknotes, of course. To say, well, here's physical nothings. It represents nothing, but it's physical. And psychologically, it seems more, it was tangible. They yeah, say, well, it's not gold or silver or whatever, but, but it's tangible. It's paper, at least. So, But you don't even have that now. You have blips that can come and go and go down the memory hole, too, if they ever want to wipe out your account, see? Eh? Which will happen once you're on a total universal basic income It will start with them too as the government withholds money Because you've been bad or you said something naughty You see, one of the things that you shouldn't say And as they keep adding to the list of things you mustn't say Or even think for that matter As you get trained to comply and be subservient and be a good pirate That's the only way you'll survive at all that's what Orwell showed you in 1984, a dead deadpan face in the movie, the one that uh, John Hurt was in. And never show expressions of surprise or emotion or anything, because it's all on camera, right? So you're living through it, and uh, it's all planned. It's a massive plan. I've said it at the, the, the WEF, World Economic Forum. Don't forget, the, the World Economic Forum is a private, massive club, it was never voted in by the general public Anywhere, just like the United Nations And uh Yeah, it's A massive club Started up, started up supposedly by one front man uh, Klaus Schwab And Uh to do good for the world, you know, which enriches the ones who are already rich, etc. You know, I mean, you don't want them getting poor, do you? You don't want to be ruled by poor bums, do you? You, you want rich bums. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a benevolent thing. And the richest people on the planet belong to it. Governments are completely subservient to it, even though it's never been written into a law that, that they've got power over anybody. It's astonishing how you live in a system where everyone's obeying, obeying, and obeyance to these organizations, eh? It tells you that what you think is your government isn't what you, what isn't that way at all. It's a different institution. Obviously. But it's a, a big pretense. As I've said before, they don't give you a guy with a uniform on that comes out yelling in front of the camera. They give you people in business suits. And they prefer if you at least go through the semblance of voting them in, at least, you know. And that way you, you, you'll turn around, oh, so that person has let us down so badly, I'm not going to vote for them like, again. Yeah, um, it keeps the whole pretense up, rather than just strip it all away and say, who's really running the show? And as I said before, if you, fire, if you could possibly fire all the politicians today, it would be strange enough, the government, but we, your country would keep working. <laughs> That's what it is right now, I don't know if it's working or not, but it would keep going uh, whether they're or not, and it would take a little bit of time before the real forces behind the scenes would come forward to start to dictate policies, you see. But it's a good sham, it's a good chronology because, uh, because the con is that, that you vote them in and they're there to work for you on your behalf. And then all you'll hear them talk about is special rights for different minorities, including new inventive or inventions <laughs> and minorities and classifications as time goes on. All to suit the agenda and change society again. That's what it's really for. You don't give a darn about anybody or preferences or anything else. They'll use them all, but you don't care any more than they care about the poor folk who are starving in some places they don 't care these politicians are born liars, but the psychopathic groups that become politicians they, they smell the power out and they go for the power they look for the power and they find it and what they like to have a praise from the public too, and be looked up to and have a name in the papers like a star you see they love that acclaim and applause attention seeking type psychopaths and Before I go on to any topics or stories. To touch on again Why would your own country What you think is your own country Be financing And allowing the financing Of revolutionary groups Inside your country Especially those Who are dedicated to overthrowing The entire system That tells you the system Was overthrown a long time ago Maybe Or else it was never the system You imagined it to be It's very malleable system, isn't it, where it can, it can fight against certain things when it suits them and their corporate interests, and then after a certain time it just, uh, just turns on its own public that might be, at least verbally, fighting the same system, but those who run the run your governments uh, are all for allowing your cities to burn. I mean, it makes no sense to realise that, no, whoever runs your countries is, is not from you, the people, and really it never really was, eh? before they had to give more lip service to have any credence amongst the public. But they really don't have that anymore. They'll, they'll cater to it, what they say. is And that, that's what they've done. Rather than serve the general public in the supposed democracies, right, which means you you, you, you fulfill agendas that you run on in, in democratic systems, even in democratic republican systems. You still, meaning democratic, you vote. You get to vote people in. It's a democratic but but it doesn't really work that way because you don't really vote them anyway. They're up to put in. But the idea is, is to keep the idea of democracy going, to stop you realising of the, all the folk behind the curtain, you see. The ones that Benjamin Disraeli talked about, and he's one of his novels, I think it was, it was Coningsby, I think a novel, where he's talking about government and a civil servant, and he says that government is... Those who really rule the nation behind the curtain are vastly different people from the ones that you see. They give you lots of little clues and tips, don't they? But that's how it is. And you can figure that out for yourself anyway after doing enough study. And uh, and even in your own lifetime, just to study stuff in your lifetime you've seen. And look at all the promises made, then you see once they're in, rather than cater to the majority That supposed to elect them in, right? They'll say in democratic countries, well they're supposed to serve the majority, but give, but listen to the minorities, give the minor- minorities little protections and so on. All, all they do is talk to minorities. That's taken over from the majority, and it gives the impression that they're listening to people. But not listening to the rest of the people. They're listening to selected groups that tell them what they want them to to hear <laughs> or, or to ask them. Even oh, sure, we'll pass laws to do. it. It's all to do with passing laws, isn't it? Everything that happens is pa- they, people shouldn't talk about you. Don't pass a law until you're hamstrung, as they call it. With laws. That's the old communist technique. The Bolsheviks did that when they got in. They passed law, but after law, after law, you couldn't speak, you couldn't do this, you couldn't talk, blah, blah, blah. Until you were completely hamstrung, you were silenced, you see. Socialism always does the same technique. And when the same elite, multi-billionaires want socialism, they'll give you socialism. It's a faster way to do it. When they want more from you, more compliance from you, more... Um, more public spiritedness from you, they'll give you more freedoms for a while, this is still fleece sure, you see. So they've got to give, be a, little, a, bit, a bit more free and easy. And I point to their... Con- you wouldn't believe what they do in those countries to people who are convicted of this. You wouldn't believe what they do. Well, they don't bore with that so much now, do they? Because yeah. it's all happening in your own countries, <laughs> quietly too. Maybe <laughs> sometimes not so quietly. But anyway, it's a farce, isn't it? But it's to suit the masters at the top. And I I read articles today just about the the lockdowns coming again in England. And I've said that at the beginning. I said, listen to what they said. It's going to, they're going to have you locked down for at least a year, maybe two, maybe two, you know. Now they're stretching into two years. And, um, they give you a little bit of a break in the summer. I said to do that just to ease up a bit. You you, you smile and be happy a little bit. Rather than have you all rebelling. They don't want rebellion, you see. And that's how they do it. They play it by ear. And by ear meaning electronic ear, because they've got the finger on the chat in real time on on the net to see. they got they know exactly who's through all the algorithms precisely in real time a pretty accurate percentages of who's against the, this lockdown and the rest of it and how to manage it and how to get round how to break your resolve etc and Or to convince you by bigger scares And what you need to do to make it happen This is how it's played today it's, it's massive psychological warfare On the general public But facts don't matter When big a big agenda is at play like, This is a war strategy What can we use? Well, global warming's not working for them They won't swallow it They won't cut back They won't get out their cars They won't blah, blah, blah Well, here you go Here's COVID Let's do, use COVID We'll use that And... It, California, you probably noticed there too. Um, they're cutting back on all car use all Well, it's much healthier for the right out, out of the playbook, eh? They said that they wouldn't allow things to open up, they weren't sustainable and environmentally friendly. The whole agenda, the the agenda, the climate change agenda, so sustainability. Climate change was hit upon by the Club of Rome. When they were given the task to find something that we'd believe and would agree to and give up certain rights and, and privileges and all the rest of it for the greater good. And they hit upon the idea of global warming, famine, drought, and the, and the like would, would fit the bill. That would fit the bill. That's what they said in their own books. So, But the whole point is there's too many people. Behind it all they've they've said that there's too many people. How many articles have come out even again recently by the same culprits telling you there's too many people, you know. It's uh, it's inevitable. It's going to get worse and worse because there's too many folk consuming consuming. And even right down to too many folk breeding especially to the west where where the birth rate's always been plummeting except for for massive migration with children. Most migrants are are, are are the ones with the children, you see, to get the numbers up. Otherwise, it'd be way way down, way way down. But again, facts don't matter. Agenda driven, eh? Anyway, from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada. i have had lots of rain recently. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods, go with you.